1: Good morning. morning. So I guess the big news uh, this week uh, after, you know, we're constantly talking about inflation and the cost of living and housing specifically going up. uh, Obviously, interest rates going up uh, just uh, a little while ago. And now that's uh, that is starting to be reflected in the numbers as uh, month to month, the housing sales have dipped a little bit.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. The housing sales have dipped a bit and it's kind of interesting. We always say how the stock market's extremely efficient. Like it, it will, it's second by second. It reacts very quickly. A housing market's not quite so much because there's a lot of emotion tied to housing. And so it takes a little while for that to trickle down and people to feel the effects of the higher interest rates. And now in the last week, we're starting to see economists predict perhaps up to a 20% decline in the prices because, you know, interest rates have literally doubled on the five-year rate. So you're seeing, you know, uncertainty there, you know, whether it's good or bad for the first-time homebuyer, again, it depends on their down payment, it depends on their wherewithal, And but it's probably makes some sense. When interest rates, when, well, sorry, when the housing market rises over 30% in one year, hmm. that's just not normal. And yeah. the bidding process of, uh, you know, it, it it was pandemonium trying to get it becomes an emotional bidding war and it was uh, it's actually it was just crazy in the blind bidding etc so anyway it eventually gets down to the proper value um and again the markets do this on a regular basis literally like i said second by second and the housing market does not one thing that's nice though is to have some certainties in our life and i want to basically segue this over to gary is the canada pension plan and old age security it's nice to say okay at least i know that check's coming in every month and it's there's some definite certainty about that
3: yeah definitely uh definitely certainty don and and uh you know and and just on the tail end of the discussion about the the housing market we've seen it before right this is Perhaps not thirty percent in one year, but we in the eighties certainly. I remember we had a significant increase in the latter part of the eighties in about an eighteen-month period. So we've seen we've seen these gyrations before. Um, Now, in terms of uh, of CPP and OAS, uh, we are continually uh, having conversations with our clients. as they're approaching retirement in terms of, you know, should I take my CPP? When should I take it? Should I take it at 60? Should I wait till 65? Should I wait till 70? And really, um, you know, sooner or later, almost everyone that obviously that has contributed or everyone that has contributed is faced with that, that decision. And so we, uh, you know, we have to look at a, a lot of different things. And I thought I'd just start with, uh, with two recent studies um, by the Canadian Institute of Actuaries and uh, also the National Institute of Aging. And this was in association with FP Canada. And FP Canada is the body that uh, monitors and, uh, and regulates uh, Advisors, in terms of uh, certainly in terms of the uh, the, the CFP designation, uh, continuing education hours, terminologies or titles that, that can be used by advisors, and all those sorts of things. So FP Canada was uh, was certainly involved with this uh, with this study. So uh, it may be surprising uh, to to some of the listeners, but most Canadians, actually uh, about ninety nine percent, have started to take their CPP by sixty five. And uh, and I think one of the basic reasons for that is that there are a lot of people that just aren't aware that it's not on the radar that they can take it later than that.
2: Yeah, very good. Actually, that's a great point. It, it, again, financial literacy in terms of all sorts of aspects, but CPP and OAS are just part of that equation. And it, it, can, it should be part of the plan. It should be actually worked directly right into the plan what is, and we would do a lot of what ifs, as you know, Gary, and, and it says, what if we start at 65 with the can of pension plan? And what if we start at 70? And it should be part right. of the financial plan.
3: Yeah, exactly. And we have to look at each case as an individual uh, basis or on an individual basis, as we do with with just about everything that we do. And, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the studies, that surprisingly, I think to, again, a lot of people, the, the studies suggest that that uh, for those that have the wherewithal to use their RSP slash RIFs registered money um, once they're, they're ready to retire, if they have accumulated sufficient means to, uh, to work away at drawing down, uh, and Don, I know you've talked about, and Scott, you've talked about this uh, on previous shows occasionally over time where um, there's certainly a lot of situations where it makes sense to defer CPP as late as possible i.e. age 70 and start drawing down on those registered investments and it certainly can be advantageous to do that as as long as uh, you know one of the one of the caveats is that that people need to feel like they're in good health that that they have a, a sense of longevity and there's been lots of uh, analysis done in terms of uh, probabilities and that's really all they are of course because that's that's one piece of the equation that we never know. We never know how long we're going to need our, our money for. But, um, uh, but CPP, of course, you know, uh, we talked earlier about not having a lot of guarantees. Uh, CPP, of course, is a guarantee depending on what choice we make. Uh, guaranteed retirement income, it, it, it's indexed to Canadian wage growth. And uh, Canadian wage growth historically, and it wouldn't seem like it in today's world uh, for sure, but it's uh, historically higher than, than inflation, slightly higher than, than what inflation has, has run at. Um, so for many people, the decision to start CPP earlier is, uh, I would say, I would describe it as a, almost a, a psychological decision. That's, uh, that's based on a desire to make sure that they get their share, that people get their share over time. A concern that, well, geez, maybe I won't be around long enough to, uh, you know, to, to collect what, what really is what I've earned by my contributions and so on. Um, and, and people that, that are concerned about that are typically the people, are often the people who initially are thinking about, well, I wanna take it as early as I can. Even though I'm being penalized if I take it at age 60, and if you look at it accurately, people are even being penalized if they take it at 65,
0: mm-hmm.
3: because of the max payout that uh, the the higher payout that uh, that is available if people wait till till age 70. So there's there's definitely a a, a lot to, to think about. Um, the you know the 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 fear of passing away earlier than what the what the, the mortality tables tell us is is certainly something that a lot of people have. On their minds, and um, you know, thinking, you know, think about people who don't have a spouse as uh, as time goes by. Um, you know, the death benefit is paid to the estate, twenty five hundred dollars, and the CPP is stopped. You know, and mm-hmm. if someone passes away at seventy, um, and they started collecting at sixty five, for example, well, you know that that's uh, it's it's in some ways like an insurance policy. In the sense that especially term policies or specifically term policies where, you know, people pay for whatever period of time. And um, if they survive that period of time, which is obviously the hope, um, then uh, unless they renew that insurance or whatever, then, uh, you know, they've uh, that money has has gone to the insurance company.
2: Yeah, we, we often talk about longevity risk with our clients and that is one of the biggest risks that have come to be actually probably during our time as financial planners here gary because you know people are living a lot longer and the idea of inflation going up and the canada pension plan the fact that you get 42 percent more by waiting from 65 to 70 is, is, uh, is great insurance against longevity risk Now, it's funny, though. Like you said, it becomes a a psychological decision, more so than really the numbers decision, because if we're all robots, they'd look at the charts and say, "Okay, the average person would actually be better off by waiting till 70. Mm -hmm. But we all have emotions that get into play before that. And you hear about a buddy saying, I took it at 60. It's the best thing. You never know you, you should do this. And all of a sudden, all that common sense goes out the window. All the planning goes out the window because of an emotional decision. And this is where having a financial planner to really make sense of this and get you back to, let's make a pragmatic decision on what makes sense to you in your situation.
3: Yeah, exactly. And those people that are comfortable with, um, with basing their decisions on the probabilities, you know, because there's risk with everything. There's risk sure. with everything. There's elements, small risks, higher risks, and so on. But those that are comfortable with, with what's likely to happen um, are, are naturally more likely to look at the longer term uh, in terms of taking their, their, or the later term in terms of taking their CFP, if they have the means along the way. Um, you know, despite the, uh, the concerns that, that a lot of people have, the, the two studies have demonstrated that the benefits of, uh, of deferring will be advantageous for most Canadians due to the following. And you, you sort of touched on this, Don, is waiting, uh, waiting to claim benefits from age 60 to 70 will increase benefits by 122% hmm. mathematically. And uh, for example, 803 uh, at age 60. Versus seventeen hundred and eighty dollars a month at seventy in in today's world, um, so you know if you if you reverse that, well, it's a fifty five percent reduction in CPP if you take it at sixty versus versus age seventy. Um, you know the the break even ages is something that we look at all the time in terms of. Uh, if you take it at you know 60 61 60, because it's not automatic that it's 60 or 65 or, or 70 depending on a person's situation they they can take it any time in between those years and you know what we always look at too is okay well what's the break even year based on on um, on the on the math and we can come up with with uh, with two different scenarios because if we just use uh, simple indexing rather than than what uh, what uh, working pay has gone up, we're going to get a slightly different number. But basically, a 60-year-old male has a life expectancy of 25.9 years. So uh, a 60-year-old female has a life expectancy of 28.5 years. And these are some things that we, you know, we can share with clients so that they get a, a better feel. Um, you know, so the, the average, uh, a 65-year-old male has a 73% probability of being better off by deferring CPP past age 65. And a female has an 81% probability of, uh, of, of being better off by, by waiting until then too, just be, simply because females still tend to live a little bit longer. So, you know, what situations may people not want to or not feel it's right to defer their CPP? Obviously, those that can't afford to, those that reach you know age 60 and can really use that that money then certainly uh you know that makes sense because they they haven't secured enough retirement income to uh, to fill the gap um with shortened life expectancy people who have con- you know specific concerns about that well that should be factored in as well and um and also those that uh in terms of oas clawback uh if they're on that threshold or, or going to pass that threshold by taking their cpp earlier than than they have to uh, that's a situation too where it would make sense to uh you know to defer we are planning your financial future i'm scott thompson gary
1: hogan and don fox are here from fox group private wealth management you can find out more at donfox.net you can call them at ig private wealth management at 905-972-7420 going to take a quick break here we're coming
0: back You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified...
1: and the OAS uh, dilemma and and what to do and when to take them. And I just wanted to clarify this again, just to point these numbers out. But uh, basically, if you take it at age 60, you're getting $803. uh, Full, if you
3: qualify for full CPP, yeah.
1: Right, if you're, yeah, at 6,803, and then at 70, by waiting 10 years, it's 1780, 1,780.
3: Yes, yes, yeah. And, uh, you know, in terms, sorry, in terms of the psychology of this, which is which is what we were we were talking about just before the break, it's really interesting, and 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 people hate to give up something uh, when they choose to look at things that way. Yeah. And and so if we look at the the actual monetary difference in in today's world between uh, what you would receive from age sixty to sixty five in dollar value, uh, that figure is actually forty eight thousand. One hundred and eighty dollars. So some people will choose to look at that and say, well, if I wait till 65 and they may, they may disregard all the other factors that are are, uh, relevant to them. If I, if I wait till 65, I'm missing out on, on $48,000. Conversely, if someone's looking at this from 65 to 70, because of the higher payout, they're actually looking at
2: $75,240. Wow. And and again, from a client's perspective, they think, why would I ever take a chance of missing out on this? What if I die at 70? What if I die at 65? Whatever the case is. And taking, it, again, out of all the factors of life expectancy right out of it. Yeah.
3: And, you know, I've always, I've always said to, to clients that uh, there's two factors that, that enter into their decisions. And one is obviously the quantitative side of things. So let's, let's look at things from a financial perspective and see exactly what we might expect. The other, the other lens that people look through is how do I feel, right?
0: Mm
3: -hmm. How do I feel? How does it make me feel? So uh, that, that is the rub that a lot of people have when it comes to, to choosing their, their CPP.
1: At the end of the day though, does this not really come down to at that time, what that person's needs and wants are? And if they need it, They're gonna take it. If they don't, they'll push it off and and see the advantages later. Hopefully, yes. Yeah, yeah, (laughs)
2: yes. (laughs) And and some, that's a good point, Scott. Some is is based on need. And in fact, um, the poverty rate actually decreases at 60 because all of a sudden they qualify for uh, CPP. So the poverty rate in Canada decreases at 60 and 65, even more so than they qualify for old age security. So those would be the people that are absolutely in need of it and they have no choice but to take it at an earlier time. Uh, so those ones there, you know, you, you can accept that it's so the other ones that are basically getting talked into it. It's almost like they're just having a chat with somebody and it becomes an emotional decision. They well could afford to putting it off, but they didn't have a plan and they didn't have a planner that actually uh, suggested. And I've come through this a few times where people have actually just said, yeah, we had this discussion. The guy was in, charge of say human resources he said definitely take it early because you just never know you gotta have fun while you're young and they paint that picture and this person was actually in charge of human resources and so here's a person that they trusted but he he was suggesting an emotional decision yeah and what we've
3: seen Don, so often is is because with defined benefit plans right to your point Mm -hmm. is is people receive a bridge till they're 65 so they're receiving that amount of money. that's very yep. close to the CPP amount, and then it stops. So well, I have to I have to now take my CPP to make up for that.
2: Right, and they could have other funds that could have done it. And RSPs are a great. Time it's a great option to use RSPs, particularly if you're in a lower tax bracket and or not hitting across that OAS clawback threshold. And here's an opportunity to use your old RSPs because if you wait on the RSPs, you might end up paying, or your state may, may end up paying 53 and a half percent. So again, these are, there's so many factors that go into it, but Canada Pension Plan is definitely a discussion we talk about at every meeting in terms of part of the plan and how, what age should we take it at. And it's funny, um, you know, talking about personalities, uh, there's been a lot of talk about personality tests in, for clients and for advisors. And it's funny, I was just uh, chatting with uh, one of my colleagues, and probably indirectly, when we're having a, an interview with a potential client, the client's actually thinking, okay, can I really work with this guy or lady? Uh, do we actually gel? Is this somebody I really want to entrust our life savings and have these, co- you know, communication with on a regular basis? Or does this guy or lady rub me the wrong way? And funny enough, I know, Gary, we probably say the same thing. Okay, here's a client. Okay, here's their expectations. Are, um, can they kind of work with us? Or are we always gonna be at, you know, combating on different things? And and I, I know going you know 37 years. Wait a sec, don't we <laughs> hey, wait a sec. Don't we all love a high maintenance client? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a way of probably not wanting to work with those people because it's a two-way street. We get to pick who we wanna work with and clients get to pick the planners they get to work with and personality is part of it. Now, that being said, some of it is simply kind of training the client or training the planner, depending on which side of the fence you're on. In our case, for example, I did have one client say, okay, my previous advisor, we had a meeting every three months. And I thought, okay, what would you talk about every three months? Because this is long-term planning. We certainly don't have a measuring stick every three months. Three months goes by super quick. And what changes could happen in three months that would affect your life in terms of a long-term plan? So now that, that person is a fantastic client of ours. But it's definitely, we don't have a discussion every three months. Now, if something happened within our general annual review, absolutely. You know, a life stage event took place. I've seen clients five or six times in a year but it's not a set every three months like a a dentist appointment times two. Okay, things just don't happen that quick.
1: Is there another client where you're seeing every week?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do actually, Scott, funny enough. (laughs) But that's because we do the show. So that's a great one. And there's there's the other end of the stick, which uh, we always have clients that we love to work with. And, you know, it's not simply, it's a relationship about, their finances but it becomes a lot more than that because we know them inside and out their family circumstances what makes them tick what the, their concerns and we're reaching out if something happens that we find out, okay this actually affects so and so I'm going to give that person a call and it is a, an annual meeting so and again, clients
3: clients reach out when they have something that changes right so it 100%. works both ways yeah
2: and so the it's interesting though but there's these personality tests now that are becoming a, a tool. And personality tests have been around forever, by the way. You know, hypocrisies Hi- started doing personality tests in 460 to 370 BC, trying to figure out humans at that time. So this is 20, whatever, seven eight 800, 20, lots of years, okay? 2,800 years ago, something like that. And they're trying to figure out what makes people in hypocrisy, I actually said there's really four types of personalities. There's sanguine, and that's basically trying to opt optimistic social type of person, kind of a risk taker. They get bored real quick, need people, you know, they need to be stimulated. So they'll just do something that may take some risks. Um, they're extroverts, but again, you got to take that into account of um, an investment approach. Okay, And I know these clients right off the get-go, when you're talking about them, they'll be out in the skinny branches. we got to bring them in so that they don't blow their life savings. And they, you know, they, they may be talking to a lot of friends and so forth, and they're getting involved with this and that. And I said, this doesn't apply to you, but they want to be part of it. So that's a, it's a personality. And we've often said it's often not in our DNA to make money because everybody has a certain specific kind of personality And it can work against them. Um, Now, caloric is a very goal-oriented, determined, fact-based leader, um, except that they're often very disagreeable. And it's their way often, and they're very, they've read a lot, and they said, this is the way it is. In our business, again, sometimes a little bit of knowledge is dangerous, because they know enough. And it might make sense, but they don't know the whole story. And it's very difficult. In our business, it's, we take 40 hours minimum per year just to maintain our CFP, be, being a certified financial planner. So to try to keep up on it and being in charge of this, it's, it might be their personality. Quite often, these type of people are do-it-yourselfers. And they often do it themselves as far as their own financial plan. Um, I end up meeting a lot of these do-it-yourselfers a little later in life because it may not have worked out as well as they thought. And the nice thing is they are fact-based and they finally realize, you know, look at my history of what I've done. It may have turned out not as well as they had hoped. And, and so
3: often, done do-it-yourselfers focus just on the investment side, right? At yes. the risk of making, making critical mistakes in terms of tax
2: planning, in terms of estate planning, etc., hundred percent. Absolutely true. In fact, um, I had a discussion with the do it yourself for last week and they were talking and they took no account of the tax side. So they might've made some very good investment decisions, but the tax side, they had no idea on. And so they were actually costing themselves on the tax side. So whatever they're gaining on the investment side, they're definitely losing on the tax side. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of moving parts as we often talk at our show. And then there's Melaconic. It's kind of an intense, serious person. Um, Often get very stressed out by world events. Like they're always looking and, and they're, they're just um, very sensitive to what's going on. And that sensitivity often does not, again, do well with investing because you can just see right now, you know, there's a war in Russia, you hear about uh, unfortunately people dying in Ukraine. And and so, how does that affect markets and are they in tune to that? And, it, and it, it's, it's 100%, I totally get it. But when it comes to money, If you get involved in it because of these emotional events you'll likely not do very well and then there's the phlegmatic uh it's very peaceful um uh, conflict resolution unadvicious type of self-sacrificing type of person and they're really nice people almost too nice and they'll often give money away to help people and they'll help their kids and and from a financial planning, and that's great to be able to help people, but you've got to be able to afford it. And often they'll they'll say, you know what, I'm going to cash in my RSps to help my kids get a down payment. Uh, you know, great thought, but the tax consequences and how is that going to hurt you? Your money may run now run out when you're 75, or whatever the case is. Did you actually plug it in? So again, personalities really do take uh, uh, take place as far as your financial plan, and so a lot of people think, what the heck is Don talking about here? You know, we're talking about a financial planning show. What's this have to do with a personality test? It has everything to do with a personality test. In fact, um, human behavior affects the rate of return more than anything. And we've talked about this before, about you know, behavioral investing. And often it's a, you, people get about half, just over half the rate of return of the markets because of behavioral issues of what they've done in terms of their portfolio so that's going back to hypocr- hypocrisies now you there's new ones the, the five the big five called the ocean and it's uh open ocean is an acronym for openness to experience uh, conscientious um extroversion and agreeable and neurotic basically and there's just so many parts. And I look at this as say, yeah, we check, check, check. I've we've worked with a lot of those and it's, it's, it's tricky. And so at the end of the day, the nice thing is is nobody is simply one type of personality. They might have a bit of everything, but the, the best part is when we're dealing with clients, we're dealing with both the husband and the wife. And it's, it's interesting. They sometimes are similar people, but most times they're not opposites do attract so they offset each other however the stronger personality often gets their way with the money issues so if you get a person that loves to spend and a person that loves to save well if they're going to stay married um, and the person that loves to spend it's a lot more fun spending by the way and there's arguments about money all the time it's if it's not the number one reason for divorces it's it's number one or number two at any given year well The one that likes to spend often has an influence to the one that wants to save and eventually they stop saving as much and that hurts the retirement plan. So again, having that third party come in, i.e. the financial planner, come in unbiased and take a look at the overall situation and say, here's what we have to do. It saves so many different arguments from a a marriage and keeps people on track. So I recently had a, a situation of a couple Came from Alberta, the, the husband worked in the oil area, the, the wife was a nurse, and she's retired now. And so his portfolio, interesting enough, had a lot of oil companies, very biased to that metals and minerals and oil, because that's what he loved, he, 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 it was his business. His wife was a nurse, so she was on the conservative side, and their portfolio literally had it, it was right down the line. His was all riskier stuff, hers was all GICs. Yeah, two ends of the spectrum. 92% of the portfolio was in Canadian investments, um, because that's really where most people in you know Canada has a very large area of the metals and minerals area. And the other part was cash. So if you take a look at our Canada pension plan, would they ever invest like that? And the answer is not a chance. They have professionals that take a look at a balanced approach, how you should be investing this money and they would get fired, actually, if the manager did something like this. But it just shows how personality can creep into your investments. So now I'm, I'm taking a look at this situation and saying, okay, as a third party, here's a better approach so that the next 30, 40 years of your life, you won't have these one in the skinny branches and one being too safe. It's, you got to have a very well-diversified portfolio. Take the personality out of it. Take the emotion out of it. Easier said than done, but you know what? That's what a financial planner is all about.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to pause for a bit. We're coming right back.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Gary, you wanted to add something to your uh, last topic here before yeah, we yeah, get to yeah. uh, good to know items regarding
3: your estate. What did you want yes. to touch on? Yeah, it's just very quickly, Scott. Thanks. And, you know, Don brought up a lot of really interesting points. And, uh, you know, Don, you and I have done a lot of field training over the years, over the, the decades.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: uh, people's Personalities and and profiles and psychology—the way people look at things. Uh, one thing that, that came to mind when you were speaking, Don, was um, different appointments that I've been on doing some training, and uh, the the advisor in training would would be compelled to pay more attention to the person who was talking for the person who's the, the partner when it was a, a couple, the partner who seemed more in control. Um, Seem to be the decision maker and so on, whether they were or not. And, uh, and the other partner, the other spouse might be just milling around, maybe doing some things in the dining room or kitchen or whatever, but not really actively participating. So the advisor would target everything that, that they were communicating towards that one person. And the meeting would end and it was, it, was, it was time to make some decisions and do some thinking and so on on the part of the couple. And the first thing that the partner says after the advisor has left is, "I don't like them," or "I don't like her," <laughs> you know, because because the person totally misdiagnosed the the situation. Yeah. So I just wanted to add that because that that certainly speaks to a lot of the things that that Don was talking about too in terms of behavior. Um, so as far as as uh, estates, you know, we. Um, we do, we've talked about this many times, we do a lot of estate planning, we, we want to make sure that people are positioned properly going forward to deal with, uh, with life's uh, ultimate events and so on. But we also are very actively involved in a settlement. So when the time comes that, uh, that someone has passed away, um, we certainly play a key role in, in working through all of that in concert with, uh, with the executors. Or, or the deceased lawyer, uh, our estates department at our head office, and so on, and and we really uh, liaise very actively in that regard. Um, so you know, the estate of a of a deceased individual, it's it's a trust. You know, it's actually a trust, both in terms of from a legal standpoint as well as from a tax perspective, and it's taxed as a as a separate entity. Now, uh, I find a lot of our our clients have never. Well, there's always a first time for everything, so they've never acted. They never served in that role. And over the years, the responsibilities and accountability of executors has dramatically increased, uh, in, in certainly in this province as, as well as others. So, you know, when we're asked to act as an executor for someone who has passed, we actually become the personal representative of that deceased person. So as executor, uh, you know, the mandate is, is to safeguard and administer the property of the estate, and and that that executor holds and controls the property on behalf of those individuals who will become the beneficiaries once, once things are, are, are settled. Uh, the executor is also responsible for filing the final tax return for the deceased as well as any separate returns that could possibly apply. The, the death of the individual terminates that person's fi- uh, final uh, personal taxation year and at the same time marks the beginning of, of a new uh, tax taxation period. Uh, so there's various reporting that we talk to, uh, to executors about when they need assistance and so on and, and help them work through that. Um, when uh, And again, these are things that we discover with clients uh, because it's hard to cover everything or it's hard for people to remember everything over the years. But where an individual has had an RSP, a deceased individual or a RIF, um, and a non-spouse beneficiary is named, uh, for example, an adult child, the, the, the RIF, the RSP slash RIF is considered to have been sus, uh, suspended or surrendered just prior to death. And as a result, the deceased and not the estate is, uh, is taxed on, on that money. Don was talking about that earlier in terms of having an abundance of RIF money at the end of the day and creating a significant uh, tax problem. So um, another example of that would be a, a bank account, that a, an interest-bearing bank account. And so on. Uh, I, I think just very quickly, just to touch on the, the different the different assets that uh, that could be part of the estate and the different dispositions. So, non-registered investments, um, if they're joint, then then the non-registered investment rolls over. Um, if it's if it's just singularly held, then that non-registered investment would go through probate, including uh, a primary residence, if. Uh, if that's applicable. Tax-free savings accounts have uh, successor annuitants, so they roll over to that. If it's a spouse, it doesn't matter if they have the room or not, that total amount can be rolled over to a spouse's tax-free savings account. Uh, RSPs and RIFs, obviously, we talked about that. Um, that's, uh, that's brought into income. And insurance payouts are, are all examples of uh, direct beneficiaries, where uh, there are predetermined beneficiaries that, uh, that will be uh, paid out. Um, so I just wanted to, to very quickly go through some of these things, but we find that there's, there's a, an abundance of need that people have to discuss estate settlements when the time comes. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott
1: Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here and come back and close the show. Hang on.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900CHML. We are planning your financial
1: future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox, along with Gary Hogan, are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at Donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Uh, this is an interesting topic. The best financial advice? Work on your marriage.
2: Oh, absolutely, Scott. You oh, you know here we what? Know. It's you know, here we are. First of all, out of a pandemic, there is more weddings happening. Yeah. Than any time, you got to go back so many decades to find a year with more weddings. So, on the other end of the note, you got to think, okay, you better stay married because it's hard enough to retire being married. Yeah. Never mind trying to do it single. And case in point, if any of the listeners have, you know, kids or if you're one of the listeners uh, that are single living by themselves right now, the one thing you hear is how difficult it is to make ends meet you have to pay rent or if you have a, a house you got the mortgage payment you got all the expenses you still want to have fun you got to do things you want to live but it's one income one income and, and a house so obviously it's way easier when you have two incomes in a house and uh expectations are better life's better in general having two incomes in a house now think about it from a retirement standpoint you're not working anymore And so now your income is coming from investments or pensions and you got your house and you try splitting up your assets in half and your incomes in half, but living in two households, it's not easy. It is a great investment to stay married. Okay, Mm. It is so much harder. And we've gone, Gary and I have gone through this and they call it the great divorce. It's basically people over 50 getting divorced. And it's interesting. They took stats. Stats can took a look at the situation from 1970 to 2020, and gray divorces rose 26% between the years 1991 to 2006. That's a massive increase in people over 50 getting divorced, and now it's leveled off. So it didn't continue to climb, thankfully. But it's already high enough. So you know, at least if you got divorced earlier in life. You got some more time to recover, but boy, if you get, if you get divorced, say, when you're 60 and you got this financial plan and you're going to say, well, you got Freedom 85 going, I'm telling you for sure. There's no chance you're retiring anytime soon. You got half of your income, half of your assets going to another person or, or equally. And it's so much more difficult. So they actually took a survey um, every year it is a Horizons retirement survey. And it's interesting, they did one on literacy, and from 2012 to 2022, the literacy hasn't changed. We're just as naive, if you will, as we were 10 years ago, in spite of listening to this show right now, okay? Um, the worst part though, wills and power of attorneys actually went down. So in, in 2012, 82% of people look just heading into retirement, had a will done. 2022 only 76% had a will done. People are actually getting less wills done. And it's even worse on the par of attorney side. It was 49% in 2012 and it's 40% in 22. So you'd think that, you know, with all this, you know, information out there, people would be out there getting their ducks in order to retire. Now, to make it worse, and this is the one that just dumbfounded me, there was a higher percentage of people that had a financial plan and had an advisor 10 years ago than now. There's more do it yourselfers. Trust me, it hasn't gotten easier. Okay. <laughs> it's gotten harder. There's more rules. There's more things. People are living longer. We've got inflation. There's so many things. And yet, people think they want to do this on their own.
3: Information versus wisdom, right? <laughs> Great point, Gary. Hmm.
2: And so you take all this into account and then you say, okay, I'm, I just don't feel right about our marriage. Well, part of this is the longer lifespan. People, you know, you go back 30 years ago, you retired at 65 you maybe live another decade. Okay, I can put up with it for maybe a decade. Okay. <laughs> but now it's 20 years. I'm going to put up with this for 20 years. And so they're saying, okay, enough's enough. So again, if it's, it might be a good investment. I know it's a good investment. To try to let this work out and say and think of it in the long term. But again, having a financial plan early and a planner that recognizes all of it. And trust me, we're often know about a marriage breakup before the other spouse does.
1: Oh, because,
2: man. Because somebody will reach out and say, okay, we're just not getting along. We feel this is already happening. Yep. So we're, we are definitely in the loop. And so,
1: so what happens if, you know, the marriage goes awry, you know, it, it is what it is and you marry someone, a spouse who's much younger. Does that change the conversation?
2: Uh, it does on many fronts, but on a financial front, it's even, unless that younger person is making a lot of money. Uh, yeah. then might be a, it might be okay. But generally speaking, <laughs> It's it's a merger if you're getting married a second time, and it may not work as well. Bottom line is, think this through. Um, it, as I said, it may be the best event financial advice is to work on your marriage. And Benjamin Franklin said it best: "You know, fail fail to plan, you're really planning to fail."
1: I thought you were going to say "Happy wife, happy life." I didn't know if that, that, that was Ben Franklin or not, though.
2: By the way, if he was alive now, he'd probably save that too.
1: Uh, We have been planning your financial future and your life and your marriage. Uh, I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at DonFox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another award-winning show. Great job, everybody. Have a great week.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified,